Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Carl Ferguson Jr. Carl has worked with clients such as Rolling Stone, Billboard, Vibe Magazine, and Samsung, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Carl about his love of music, his experience working in the music business, and how he first discovered photography. I also speak to Carl about his approach to portraiture, his experience photographing Chris Rock for the cover of The Hollywood Reporter. I really enjoyed speaking with Carl about his work. As you can tell, he really has a big passion for the photographic medium. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. Carl Ferguson Jr., welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to have you. Um, discovered your work on Instagram where, you know, I find a lot of great photography, so I was excited to talk to you. Uh, but I guess to start off, man, like, what have you been working on lately? What's kind of got you inspired photographically these days, I guess? Uh, awesome. No, Alex, thanks for having me. Um, it's, an, it's, it's an honor to be here. I'm, I love uh, being able to share uh, information so the photographers can learn from it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, let's see, right now, uh, right now I'm just been developing concepts because I haven't really had an an opportunity in the years that I've been doing photography to really work on personal projects. And um, during the pandemic, things got a little crazy and and uh, I have a day job. So they relocated me from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And in that process of looking for apartments and looking at the prices for rent in Brooklyn, I said, well, you might as well get a house. So I ended up purchasing a home in, in August. And, wow, man, congrats. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, luckily, it, it had a, a top floor rental unit and I was about two seconds from renting it out. And um, my cousin, who's a producer, said, why don't you use this as a studio and, and pair space it or something? So at least you have that access. And I said, that's a great idea. So um, that's really what I've been in the process of just like fine tuning it. I have all my equipment, everything set up properly. I've been doing a couple of shoots here and there and um, really just. I think this is the phase where I start working on the artist end of photography. Um, just having that unlimited space and time to create and have never had that, that freedom before. Yeah. Cause are there any personal projects or things you're hoping to work on? And you got some stuff in mind that you're trying to like, uh, kind of tap into. Um, I, you know, I, I go back and forth there, there, there are projects that I, I know that I want to document interesting people. And it's just a matter of figuring out how that works. Do I have them come to the studio? Um, I kind of want to set up a video camera and have them tell their story. Like, I, I really want to, I feel like this is such a gift. The photography, I've, I've always thought about what's been happening in my life with photography as a complete gift because you, I mean, I'm getting paid or requested to do this for just my own perspective. Like, I mean, that's, that's, there's so many photographers for your perspective to be the one they want. I mean, that's just, it's just beyond what I could have ever expected. So I think it's a gift and I, I, I wanna make sure I'm utilizing it outside of just whatever notoriety comes with the work that I do. I want to just contribute it to telling a story because, you know, you look at Gordon Parks, you look at so many other photographers who have, even though they're known for what they do, their personal projects were shining light on um, certain elements of, of just individuals living in America. So I just think it's something that I, I would like to do as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I know for myself, like I definitely got in these periods where, I mean, you shoot a lot of assignment work, be it for like um, amazing, like Vibe Magazine or Hollywood Reporter. And a lot of times for me, you can just get stuck in the 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 day-to-day busy grind of like doing assignment work and really kind of taking that time to think about like what you want to execute and what you want to photograph and it's like so I've, I've been trying to slow myself down a lot you know trying to figure it out because i don't know about you but do you ever do you ever find yourself in the trap of like kind of repeating the same stuff you're doing over and over like you got your go-to like lighting setups your go-to things you do and you, it's easy to get like because you it's comfy it's comfy you know it's there for you but you ever kind of fall into those traps of kind of repeating yourself sometimes oh absolutely especially with you know my my more frequent scenario, which was being at a radio station where I didn't have a dedicated room to, to leave set up. I had to break it down and set it up every time they came. So sometimes I literally had to go off memory with the, the last lighting setup because you got to get it done and you'll have three to five minutes with this person. So it's like, do I have time to really experiment with something? I'm like, well, let me just play it safe. And yeah, when, you know, you know your own work. So when you're going through your portfolio and you're like, oh, this this looks j- okay. This no, this is not it. Like yeah. everything I'll get in the habit. I'll just do like I'll go tight. And then I realize like, why am I shooting everything tight? I gotta uh-huh. like back up sometimes and like uh-huh. see what's around you, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it's it it really is. And that's part of the reason why I said that this is a, a opportunity for me to, you know, experiment. I don't think I've even had no, I know that I haven't had an opportunity to just test lighting. You know, just just open up my wheelhouse so that I I just have the knowledge of other lighting. I've I've seen them. I've watched documentaries and, and you know instructional videos on them, but I haven't done it myself to figure out what I like. You yeah. Know? So, um, yeah, I think the, the slowing down. It, I mean, it it is so important, um, and I think that's where I'm at right now. It's just I'm not even really posting anything. I'm just. Mm-hmm you know what, I need to take a break, figure out what it is I want to do. What do I enjoy? Yeah. Uh, the assignments have dried up for, you know, most of us. So it's like, it's time that's given to you before things get crazy again. So I just do need to figure that out. So, and I suggest everybody, you know, if you're fortunate for your business to be, you know, hectic and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going a mile a minute, if you can find time to slow down because as a creative it'll just make your work so much so much more potent for you to be able to really sit down process it what am I doing this for what's the purpose behind it um yeah I have celebrities in my portfolio but like what does that mean in the grand scheme of my voice like does that do anything because I mean we 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 already celebrate celebrities like Mm -hmm. one more image of J-Lo like what what makes it different from the millions of photos of these people. So it's like, what is the real purpose behind it? And that, I think that, that in having that intention is, is very important. Yeah, definitely. It definitely stands out in the work when you have something to say in a, a perspective and you touched on something like quickly about not posting. And I think everyone can relate to this. Like you feel the need to this kind of feed that engine and post, post, post. But I think the way you're doing it is smarter. Like, I don't, I, I, it can get so, you can compare yourself to people on Instagram and feel the need, like you got to feed the machine. But for me, like, I think it's like quality over everything. So if you don't post something for a month or two, but then that time you come out and you're putting out this like bangers and stuff that people really resonate with. I don't know. That's the way I've been thinking about it more because I don't know, social, social media is great, but at the same token, it's just, 
it, it can be a goddamn mind fuck, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think the novelty of, of it is starting to really kick in, especially with this algorithm stuff that's happening. Um, it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And it's like, <laughs> we know the artist came first. We know our work came first. And then this thing came up called Instagram and it it's supposed to be a platform, you know? And it ended up, we're supposed to be using it and it kind of flipped everything around. Now we're like, mush, mush. Oh yeah, I gotta find something to post. I gotta, I gotta, and and you're just doing it involuntarily at, at a certain point. You're like, you look at your feed and you're like, why did I put that up there? I don't, and you're, now you're waiting for likes. And then what, you know to be your eye as far as your work and what you like is now subject to pub the public. And it's like, oh wait, they didn't like this one as much. Maybe I need to wait. So now I'm completely thrown off because now I'm, you know, and it's just, I think taking a break from the machine is very important. I don't even really like what it does. It, it, there, are, there are extremely qualified legendary photographers who I have as mentors who have a fraction of the followers yeah are not bothered by it and then you have people who have figured out the system and what to shoot you know you can shoot inside abandoned buildings and throw filters on it and they have yeah. thousand followers and I'm like that's cool I don't know if that works in the real world because if you have a shoot and you know if you if you have a gig and you know, they tell you, you need to have this light position at this angle and this one at this angle and the bulb goes in that. Now you got to figure that out. If you're the IG photographer, yeah. you're not, you're not, it's just not going to work out for you because you haven't had the real world practice. So. And I, th I think what I've kind of realized is it's two different games. The people that are like the quote unquote IG uh, photographers who are, they're monetizing their following and like doing like brand deals or whatever it may be. But I would imagine that the, like guys like us, we want to shoot assignments. We want to shoot campaigns and do assignment work and build our build build our uh, make money that way. And it's like two different games. So I, I I don't know more and more. I just don't I don't really worry about the followers. It's just more more putting in the work and taking the time, like you said, like kind of figuring out what what you want to shoot and what personal projects you want to do. You know, absolutely. Um, I'm 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 kind of. Uh looking over your shoulder here uh is that a perry uh book there um which one have it on the, the, yeah, the green one at the bottom uh oh, perry. Yeah, N nigel perry nigel perry i have the same book i was just you know i'm just i'm, I'm eavesdropping guys. <laughs> no it's a good one man. I'm, I'm a book nerd so i'm here hilarious dude yeah I've been, i went on a binge during the pandemic i've been telling everybody ebay deals oh. for days i hadn't used ebay forever Dude, so many books on there because there'll be like libraries just like selling books. Like I got this Arnold Newman book over here for like five bucks. I got like a, this Yosef Karsh book for like six bucks. I'm like, I'm never buying a brand new book again. I'm just going to eBay on it. It's so many deals. Uh, and I love going to, um, to uh, what do you call it? I'm blanking out. You ever go to Dashwood? Dashwood? The Strand in, in, in New York. Okay. It's it's like a legendary bookstore. I literally will disappear. If no one hears from me and they're like, where'd Cargo? I'm usually there with my phone turned off and just like nerding out in the book section. Have you ever been to Dashwood Books in New York City? No. You got to check that out. It's, straight, it's a small shop. It's strictly photography books and they sell books from around the world. They'll sell like zines. They have a website too. You can order stuff, but it's strictly photography only. It's been there for a while. Um, definitely recommend to anybody who goes to New York City. It's incredible. 
Um, what, what are some of your kind of all-time favorite books? Any ones that kind of stick out in your mind that are kind of favorites? Um, so, uh, uh, I'm a huge Albert Watson fan. Like Cyclops, you got Cyclops, of course. Yeah, I have. I have like a signed copy. I have an unsigned copy. <laughs> um, I haven't met him. I just bought the signed copy. I'm dying. He's like one of the people I'm dying to meet. But um, I'm a huge Mark Seliger fan, so I have all of his books. Actually, got to meet him brought my books and he signed all of them and in one of them wrote because he was I was showing my portfolio because he was asking me questions because he just was like wow you have literally have all my books and his mom was there it was it was very like random and uh he wrote in there he was like you know to Carl my new favorite photographer because I was showing him my portfolio and wow I was just mind-numbing but um, a lot of his work uh, a lot of his books I lean towards I love Nigel Perry stuff I yep. just there's a different like intensity to his it's like grittier, his, his, very, like his very rich blacks and like super yeah. contrasty. Yeah, no. So I, I mean, I love that, but I, I always lean back to Albert Watson. I have Irving Penn and Abaddon, mm-hmm. but Watson to me, you know, aside from the, the whole insane story about him being blind in one eye, which is like, God was like, you're going to be a photographer. You don't need this other eye. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, it it couldn't have been any better written. And, and he's probably the most effective photographer that I've seen transition from landscape, uh, fine art, and portrait photography. Like, he does them all impeccably. Like, it's exceptional work. It's not like he's, eh, he's kind of right in this. And he's like, yep. amazing fine art in everything. Yeah. So um, I just think that his discipline and the fact that when whenever they interview him, he's like, they're like, what's your favorite like work that you've done? He said, the one I'm going to shoot tomorrow. He's, yeah. he's not even phased by it. Yeah, that was I interviewed him a few years ago. And, oh. and it was, it was a crowd. <laughs> I went to his studio in, in uh, I think it's like, not Soho. I forget what neighborhood. In Chelsea? Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea. Like yeah. that kind of that super yeah. nice area. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and the thing I was struck with that guy, because he's I'm thinking he's probably almost 80, like late mm-hmm. 70s at least. And this the longevity. And when I was talking to him, like he still had the enthusiasm of as if like he was just starting his career. Like Absolutely. he was just like showing me this book he's working on this project. And I was like, damn, man, like I hope like to have a career that long. I, Cause I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'm like, am I going to be getting hired when I'm 50 or even right. like in my 40s? Dude? It's yeah. uh, it's crazy, man. But yeah, he's not even phased by it. He's, he's, it's, it's so interesting to see that. Like you said, he's so virile with it. Like my guy, like, dude, you, you've shot, was it over a hundred Vogue magazine cover? Yep. And I'm like, he 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 attacks it as if none of that had happened. Like, I mean, and I, and that's why I think I lean towards him more because I'm like, if he can be close to eighty and he wakes up with that, yep. Like I I'm I have absolutely no excuse. You know, I need I that's that's the mindset I need to be in that that my best work is still yet to come. Yep. You know so. Cause he is, I feel like he, he just has that much respect for the craft. Like he's not worried about all that, like other stuff, like the social media oh, yeah. or whatever. It's all the craft, the craft, the craft. And that's why I always try to remind myself. Cause I don't know, you can get bogged down with marketing your business and stuff, which is important, but it's just remembering what your product is putting out good product and good artwork, you know? Um, but I guess to go back, man, like where did you kind of grow up and like, how do you kind of initially discover photography? Uh, so I'm born and raised in the Bronx, Bronx, New York. Um, and, uh, yeah, for 
the majority of my life, I've been heavily influenced in music and um, hip hop music was just everything to me. You know, I, I mean, I grew up in a household with tons of music. I mean, my parents, you know, from Jamaica. So, I mean, I've had everything in the house from Bob Marley to Temptations to Barbra Streisand, Meatloaf. I mean, they loved Meatloaf. That all right. Yeah. <laughs> like they loved everything. It was Kenny Rogers. I mean, like everything you can think of my, my family plays. So I love the fact that, you know, it was just like on the weekends, the coffee table would be vinyls, jackets spread out and, and anything that they wanted. It could be Hall & Oates. It just, I loved the variety of music. Um, and then somehow, you know, this thing, hip hop just grabbed me completely and I got involved in it. I started, I think I started writing my, my, my raps. I was like nine or 10. And then uh, started really taking it seriously, became an MC, and it's somewhere around 14, 15, got signed to like a production company. Wow. And um, I was doing a demo, and uh, I met this producer that was working on it for me and just was enamored by the way that he made music. I was like, I don't, I don't even understand what he's hearing when he hears a sample. And he would take a sample and whatever I would hear made it didn't it didn't make sense to me and I said you know I would love to learn it and he said to me you know if you get a drum machine I'll show you and I bought a drum machine I think that next week and slipped out of <laughs> rapping to producing started making beats and then you know this is the era of like I want to say Kanye West was just about like you were hearing about him just Blaze was still out and so I was I was making beats and then reached a point where okay everything sounded good to a point but I needed it mixed and um I said so what do you do to get it mixed or like you go to these engineers and they mix it so somehow I ended up in audio engineering school and uh started learning for myself and then completely fell down that rabbit hole just geeks with like ones and zeros and the sound field and you had that, that big board that has like you see it in like every studio that has like i'm always like who actually knows how to use all those different buttons i'm like there's like yeah. a thousand buttons yeah no i i mean it it just it completely engulfed me and the next thing i know i uh i built a recording studio um up in uh in westchester my parents have like in the back of their house they have like this three-floor unit that it it was a two-car garage but we never use it. So built a recording studio, started working with artists and um, yeah, mixing records. And, and uh, at some point I was working with an artist that was signed to Bad Boy and ended up in their entourage. And we would have these nights where we're just with like Diddy and Fab. And I'm like, why is nobody taking pictures of this? I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, there it's, it's regular to them. Like they're yeah. just like, oh, I'm like, and at the time it was Facebook, Instagram wasn't even a thing. So I said to the artist, you know, I'll, I'll just start taking some photos for your Facebook. And uh, I bought a, a Canon power shot, like entry level camera, just to kind of take some photos at night. And um, when I, when the photos came back, a, a few of the guys in the entourage, they were like, you know, wow, these look really good. You know, have you ever thought about, produce like actually taking photography uh seriously and I looked at them like they had two heads because I mean that wasn't ever a thing I thought a photographer knows that they want to be a photographer from the time that they like are born and they're like this is what it is like I want to I, I see things differently and um 
yeah. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll consider it. We went to Japan. And before I went on that trip, I decided I should invest in an SLR. And uh, a Nikon D90 was my first SLR. And um, yeah, I just I started just falling down a rabbit hole with that. I found myself not in the studio as much, out with the camera, trying to figure it out. Um, on YouTube University, like for hours, just like, wait, what? Aperture what? Yeah. ISO what? I don't, how's the relationship work? Wait, so you- Flash sync? <laughs> oh my God. It was, it, was, it was so, it was so overwhelming, but um, amazing at the same time. It's just like the best thing to get lost in. Um, and so, yeah, so that led to me really shooting a lot more with that SLR. And there was a video shoot we had with Fab and I took some images backstage or behind the scenes for it. And a friend of mine happened to be working at Vibe and I was just casually telling her like what I had. And she said, oh, this, that's great. You know, do you mind sending it to us so we can um, have the team look at it for the online? And I, I didn't understand what she meant. So I said, I'll send you the photos. And send it to her. And she said, yeah, they love it. They're going to run it. And I still didn't understand what she meant. And I remember the first, they did a story on it. And the first time seeing my name, like under the, under the headline, I just was like, that was, that I was hooked. That was, that was it for me. I, I don't think I, it probably took another five, six months. I was no longer in the studio whatsoever. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's incredible. And is is there anything you feel like you learned from your time, like collaborating, collaborating with musicians, even when you're doing the music thing? Because one thing I'm kind of envious of musicians is their willingness to collaborate with other artists, whereas mm -hmm. photography, it's a very singletary thing. And a lot of photographers are very guarded about their process and things like that. I would imagine that's what I mean. It seems like with music, people are this very collaborative and want to work with each other, where I feel like the the visual art medium can be a lot different in that sense, you know? Yeah, I think I think I I I can definitely see that I benefited from what that environment is um, because for me it's not it's not as fulfilling to do everything by myself. I think there's an energy from collaborating and and getting different insights and perspectives that I do miss from music so i was um <laughs> i was also the the guy that would be in the pit kind of like introducing myself to other photographers hey what's going on and yeah, they yeah. looking at me like what's <laughs> you're just we're, we're all in here we, we got our assignment we're trying to get the best shot and i'm just like listen i know that i'm not going to take the shot you're going to take you're not going to take the shot i'm going to take and the networking part of music is what I brought to it. And I will be honest, the majority of what's happened for my career has been the fact that I've been able to have that positive energy and network with people and be honest and, and, and genuine about it because I never felt threatened by anyone else. And that's not why I got into it for. I want to enjoy it. I want to preserve the passion of it. And uh, I think that's the part that music really, um, really taught me is that you have to protect what you love about your passion because it really is it at the end of the day. Everything else is mundane. Paying bills, you know, <laughs> working to, to make sure you pay the bills off. But like the part where you are like, I enjoy this moment, you really have to protect that. 
Yeah, man, that, that's awesome. And I guess like once you kind of got that first uh, photo published with Vibe, like what, were, what was kind of your your goal? Because like looking at your work now, it's a lot of amazing portrait based stuff, studio stuff. Um, like when did you kind of start kind of transitioning into doing that type of work, I guess? Well, I think I hit the same point that you just hit the nail on. Like I was shooting concerts and, and live music initially, and that was Good for Vibes website. And um, I had gotten published in Rolling Stone, which was, that was my goal when I started shooting live and that happened. And I was like, okay, great. But I'm in a pit with 20 other photographers. Like the image that I took, while it may be mine, it's competing against however many other photographers. And I'm shooting an artist and they'll never, like they almost, they don't know that I'm taking the photo. Hmm. So I got into the same thought process that you mentioned about well, I'm not collaborating with these people. Like I'm shooting them and they're performing, but it's not a collaborative thing. So um, I just I just loved what editorial provided for photographers. And I said, okay, how do I get to that point? And um, got a mentor and said, look, I wanna learn studio uh, uh, photography. And he said, well, get some lights and, and I'll start showing you the path to go down. And uh, just that became my goal. I, I want to do editorial photography. I want to shoot portraits. I want to be able to interact with the subject. I want for them to know that it's me taking their photo and not that they're just having a random person take the photo and never see them again, or that I'm taking their image and just keeping it as currency. I want it to be a moment, you know, so that became my goal. And when you kind of made that transition from kind of going shooting live stuff, which I know you, on your website, you still do some of that, but um, when you're kind of building that portfolio of portraits, like who are you photographing? Was it just like friends or this artists you're working with? How did you kind of, cause as you know, I, th- I feel like unless you have that work in your book, clients aren't going to hire you. So you have, it's a lot of times it's upon yourself to kind of build that work, to put in your portfolio, like who are kind of, when you're working on that portrait stuff, who, who are you photographing? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fine sharing my, my secrets. Cause I, I feel like if I share it, somebody's just going to take it further. So my mindset was if I want to get to editorial photography, um, and actually get to work with these magazines, I have to figure out how to make myself stand out from the pack. Uh, so I would, I would start taking portraits of like friends and testing it even sometimes on myself in the privacy of my studio, but not anything really to, to, to go out to the world, just to kind of understand lighting. And um, I got my first opportunity to shoot something for Vibe um, with an artist that they had and kind of um, cut my teeth on a sub magazine they had called Vibe Vixen, which meant they had no budget. Uh, <laughs> they weren't really pushing it. But I knew that I could kind of like trip and mess up and, you know, lick my wounds and keep moving and learn what I needed to learn without it being like you just missed up like a cover of Vibe magazine because yep. it was like so it would be like up and coming artists. So like Tiana Taylor, that was her first cover with Vibe Vixen. Wow. I got the shooter for it, but she was an up and coming artist. So if I had messed that up, they'd be like, oh, you kind of messed it up. But it wasn't like a major artist. So. I, I got to practice doing those those uh, those editorial spreads for Vixen and building my way up um, until uh, the vibe would actually look at me and what so forth. So um, that was how I that's how I, I started it. Um, I didn't I didn't really focus too much on doing like 
portraits with friends. I was really focused on a portfolio so that I could get to the next level. Yeah, definitely. And like looking at your work, you, you photograph so many different musicians. Uh, what is it about kind of collaborating with musicians and um, work on that type of work? Because I think um, you've done a lot of work with like Hot 97, that radio station, which legendary with like Ebro and Rosenberg and mm -hmm. all the amazing people over there. Like what is it about working with musicians that you enjoy, you think? Uh, so I think a little of what you were saying about, you know, the collaboration point and knowing that now that I'm in the seat of being a photographer and knowing that I could relate to them coming from the music, I just felt that I wanted to take the most transparent portraits possible. You know, I wanted to sit in a room with them, connect, and I just felt like I could get a true portrait because they trust me. And I think that was the that was the thing that I wanted to really um, establish was that I'm a trustworthy photographer and that if I shoot someone, the artists, the the actor, their team, they're like, oh, yeah, that's the name. Yes, we know Carl. He doesn't put out any compromising images. He works with us like we there's no second guessing us working with him because he is uh, an honest, honest photographer and he wants the best for the subject like I want to make sure that you look good um so I think that there's just uh, whether that is what's the word I'm looking for you know they say that a lot of times uh not self-centered but a lot of times the subjects that we we tend to look for also relate to us like what we're what we're looking at relate to us so I know the, def the different factors in, well, I was an aspiring artist, but this is an artist and they go through things, but I understand what they go through. And it's like, it's a reflection because I understand part of the process and working with them as a producer or as an engineer, I understood some of that process. So it, it just gives me a peek into what their day could be like. And uh, I would often try to be as understanding uh, and accommodating as possible, you know, um, yeah. No, that's great. And how'd that kind of relationship with like Hot 97 start? Because when looking at your website, I didn't realize you shot the like the photo for um, like Ebro show with the, all the hosts, mm -hmm. which I've seen a million times from like watching yeah. their YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, shit, Carl <laughs> shot that. Yeah. I was like, I've seen that so many times. Didn't realize you shot it. Um, but how'd that kind of relationship work with like Hot 97, which is such a legendary radio station in New York? Uh, yeah. So I started. uh segueing my way towards working with Hot 97 while I was working with Vibe and they would have these shows. Uh, I would shoot Summer Jam. So Summer Jam was like the thing to get to shoot. And the first year that I got to do it, I got a press pass. I wasn't even working with the, the company. And I, I, my goal was to shoot the mess <laughs> out of the show because I was like, I have to really show out because I want these images to be extremely strong and you know so that if I had an opportunity to work with the brand they say all right you're great we want to use you and a friend of mine knew the head of digital over there and she walked me in to his office uh, the following year just before the next summer jam and said you have to meet Carl um, he's a great photographer and I sat down with them and when they looked at the images they were like wait these, this is from our show. And they were like, we had guys that we hired that didn't get images like this. So this is a no brainer to bring you in. Um, so I started shooting the, the, the summer jam. And then because of 
the same thing I, I mentioned about building relationships. I said, well, do you guys have other shows during the like the year that you need shot? So they'd have these shows at like SOBs and random stuff. They're like, yeah, but people don't really want to shoot those. I was like, I'll shoot them. So I started shooting those shows for them. And they were like, wow, you're helping improve the images that we get to put on our website. So it gave me leverage to, to pitch things. Um, and at, I think it was the second or third summer jam, I had seen Danny Clinch shooting the Grammy portraits and I lost my mind. I said, why aren't we doing that? Like, it's the most, like everybody's in one place. You just <laughs> set up a portrait spot. And so I said, guys, it's a crazy idea, but I would love to try to shoot portraits during Summer Jam. And they're like, I don't know. We kind of have a, a rigid schedule. I said, listen, I'll fund it. If you give me space in MetLife uh, Stadium, I'll spend the money. I'll put the production together. Just give me a space and, you know, get a runner that can help kind of direct traffic towards me. And they were like, all right. I think the first year, it was literally like a closet. I, I wish I had photos. It was the smallest setup. <laughs> but... I did it and I got like Miguel, ASAP Rocky, Kendrick, like wow. Wu-Tang Clan members. It was like, okay, so now I've, I've, I've done it and I can show it to them. And I, and I brought it to them the next day and they were like, oh, okay. Now we understand what you're, you're talking about. I was like, this, this should be, Summer Jam should really be documented this way. You know, we have the live images, but like the portraits are like, it's like a class, it's like a, a yearbook. Like we should be doing this every year. And that started a, a process with them that, you know, I paid for, I think the first two or three years all out of my pocket. And then they finally, uh, marketing finally figured out how to sell it. And I think, I think Apple spent money on, on this, the main stage one year and also paid for my portrait setup. Wow. That's so, awesome. Um, that's amazing. It seems like that. I mean, having that confidence to approach people and basically kind of making stuff happen yourself rather than waiting for them to come to you. Like, have you always just kind of had that confidence and like approaching people and this kind of networking um, just to kind of make stuff happen? It sounds like just kind of you're pushing it more than waiting for someone else to come to you. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate when I was 17, I got introduced to like network marketing and I had a mentor and they pushed me into like public speaking and all these things. And I'm, I'm actually more of an introvert at some point doing that. I had to learn how to not be so closed off, yeah. but um, yeah, ideally I'm home. This is where I'm at after work. You won't see me anywhere else, but <laughs> I had to learn how to, you know, develop that muscle. Like, you, you know, you close mouths don't get fed. So yeah. if I don't put it out there, no one will ever gravitate towards what it is that I'm trying to do. So uh, and then I went to marketing school. So my degrees in marketing um, and started to learn how, you know, they said the, the, the best way to be successful is to find a problem and figure out how to be the solution. Mm. And what I noticed was that High 97 was um, also paying Getty for images of artists that come to the station. And I was like, well, let me at least start with this portrait series and see if we can kind of like develop a database where you guys can promote, you know, use these images for promotion and stuff down. You know, I said, I'll own it because I'm, I'm paying for production, you know, making sure that I know that I have to negotiate that because I don't want to um, keep that copyright, Carl, copyright. keep that copyright, Carl. Got to keep your copyright. Well, you know, that's a big, uh, all my mentors came in, keep your copyright. I said, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it, I knew that if I, if I came in and I led the conversation, I would have, 
more ground to do that rather than waiting for them to come to me with an idea, then they have the leverage to say, well, we want a percentage of it. If I come in and I say, let me do this thing, I'm funding it, I'll let you use it for promotion, but I'm, you know, I own the rights to the images. So, um, so yeah, the Summer Jam thing happened. And then eventually I started trying to pitch it for the morning show. Mm. I said, well, rather than waiting a year to do these portraits, why don't I start shooting them when they come for their regular interviews? And they were like, well, how are you going to make that happen? So I figured it out and found an area, put up a seamless. Uh, after they finished their interview, they'd come out and I'd try to snap a couple images. And I said, well, now you don't have to pay Getty for every image you need. And I'm actually getting them in the, in the outfit that you did the interview in. So now it's a better promotion for you. And it's but, a better picture. No, no disrespect to Getty, but sometimes <laughs> this stuff looks a little stale sometimes. Yeah, put a little sauce on it, man. <laughs> hey, listen, and you know, and and I wanted to look, you know, I, I, my goal was to make that two to three minutes I had not look like two to three minutes. You yeah, know, I wanted it to look like I they actually sat for their portrait. So, um, yeah, and it was also you know it was great for me. It was just exercise to like. I just happen to be exercising on talent that you know most like the, only the best artists in the world yeah because you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I was, one thing i was gonna ask you being your portrait photographer like how do you approach those shoots like what's your process like obviously a lot of these shoots you don't have a lot of time um do you kind of go in with like a plan of like how you want to execute it and pose them and like or is it more kind of an organic process to what the subject kind of brings to it or what's kind of your process in approaching those shoots um, so it, the, the only thing that really works for those scenarios is to be as prepared as possible, uh, as prepared as possible, because as, as you learn talent, they're unique and they could have a disagreement with their management or a disagreement with Ebro in the interview, and they'll walk out and not be in the best mood. And I'd have to be prepared for all of that. So my main thing was just to kind of have a couple of poses that I cycle through that, okay, you know, while these can get kind of mundane, I'd rather have very honest portraits of them that aren't too complicated. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I can't really ask for too much because they also have their PR and their management standing right there. Uh, like, no, I don't think you should do that. And that's happened. They're mm -hmm. like, no, I don't think you should do that. I think, no, I don't think we like that. So, yeah, it was honestly just trying to get tight three quarters. I'd pose them lightly, but nothing, nothing too, too crazy. If, if I felt like I had enough time with them, then I'd bring out the Apple box and I'd do a different setup or stool or what have you. But I know I didn't have enough time with them to, to get really complicated with this. So yeah, just, you know, what they say, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really the approach that, uh, that I would take with it most times. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of like style and aesthetic, it, it, like, I, did it kind of take you find take you a while to find your voice as a photographer? And is is like the style and aesthetic something you, you spend a lot of time thinking about, or how do you kind of view that aspect of your work? You think I'm still finding my voice. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I could ever say that I've found it yet. I think I'm still experimenting and figuring it out. And people have told me that there's a style like they're like if I see your image I know your thing I I don't see it like I know what I'm doing to a point but I don't see the 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 pattern 
you know, um, and I'm, you know, especially like how we mentioned all these different photographers and not that you want to be influenced so that you're all over the place, Mm -hmm. but I know with certain people's photos, there is a, a level of vulnerability in the image with the subject that for me is what I'm always chasing. You know, like there's images that Albert, Albert Watson has that I'll stand in front of that portrait. And I'm just like, you know, like you just feel like the person was like, yeah, this is all me. And I, and I said, if I could, if I could consistently do that with my subjects, then I would feel successful as a photographer. You know, like, like my, my goal is for if, and I've always aimed for gallery shows, books, like that's the way that I see portraits, like experiencing them in a gallery. And, you know, like um, I went to the Cyclops exhibit he had many years back and there's like Golden Boy, which is one of his, his premier images. And you just stand in front of it and you're like, this is, this is, this is different. This is like, you know, the fact that an image can hold you to the point that you're just like, I, I can't move on yet. I have to really give this the justice that it deserves because this person sat and like was vulnerable with this photographer. That's that's always a thing. But with three minutes, my <laughs> what I would have to do to get them to it was the, the laundry list was so so high. So I would um I would do research before each subject and try to find a common thread. Um, if it's they grew up in New York or sports or anything that I could find to 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 break them out of the this person wants something from you I want something from you I want to take your image it's like you know what I did research on you uh, I loved the 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 song that you did with so and so and then they're like oh and they they start sometimes feeding into it they're like oh wow you you really like that I wasn't sure if you know, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, oh, they, they, they're, they're responding to it because I'm asking them things about themselves. I'm into them, not their celebrity. I'm a fan of the music. I'm a fan of their movies. And and that's a different thing. So um, that was my niche. It's like showing you ever, it's like mutual respect and it's showing you, yeah, it's not this like your sniper style, like click, click, click. It's like, no, you have respect for them. And yeah, it's a, a hard thing and I'm, I'm sure there's sometimes where a lot as a photographer as a portrait photographer sometimes there's some stuff's out of your hands like you can try as hard as you want but then i'd imagine so i know i've had this happen where you know subject might not be into it or whatever it may be and it's like you try your best and you know it's it, that's like the hard thing about being a portrait photographer there's there's some mm-hmm. stuff that's out of your hands right oh yeah they're they're definitely i mean uh what do you say you take your losses in silent i mean <laughs> There have definitely been people that came out of interviews and were just like not into it. Something was said in there. They're not happy. And they're like, no, I'm good. Yep. And I've set up. I got there early. I set everything up and I tested. And I'm ready to go. And they're like, no. Yep. And I just got to break it down and just put all my stuff away. And, you know, but only only I know about those days. You know yep. what I mean? So it's but it's part of it's part of the the the, the pursuit. It's like you're I'm putting everything together and I'm setting this up to have a moment and sometimes that'll work out um sometimes it's not supposed to and some of those times that it didn't work out I had another opportunity that was a little more controlled Mm -hmm. and it, it ends up being a better scenario for me to meet this person so 
I never took, I never take those times personal. I'm like, listen, they had a bad day. I probably don't want to shoot them on this day anyway. Like, I, I don't want the stoic, like, like, is it over? Cause you can read that too. You're like, oh, they, they didn't want to take this, this, this photo at all. And it does. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's tough, but roll with those punches. Um, mm-hmm. One shoot I was excited to talk to you about is you photographed uh, Chris Rock for the cover of the Hollywood Reporter um, last year. I was just curious uh, how your experience was with this shoot and what, what your kind of approach was with uh, shooting a cover like this, which is uh, amazing. Uh, thank you. So <laughs> the funny thing about all of this is a Chris Rock came to the station one time and I had shot him. Uh, at hot and a thing that I do um, just because I've had conversations coming up and there'd be photographer or there'd be subjects who say, yeah, people take photos, but I never see the photo they take of me. And I used to always think that that was odd because to me, it's an honor for somebody to take time to sit in front of your camera, Mm -hmm. but that's the way that I look at it. You know, like this is, you didn't have to do this. Um, and so what I started doing, you know, not really to broadcast it is um, my I have a, a printer in, in, in Midtown and he, he prints. I mean, he's done work for Albert Watson and stuff. He's like a fine art printer. And I would have him print um, uh, 16 by 20s for me of certain subjects and I would give it to them as gifts. Wow. Smart. You know, um, just to go further into what we were saying about the collaborative effort, you know, like experience, like. You sat for me. I appreciate this. You know, I've given portraits to T.I. Like I found I'll find out where they're at. And I'm like, I just wanted to show up and give you this this print. And like, you know, they it's it's such a shock because they're like, what? He's like, why? Like you sat with me. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to let you know that I appreciate the, the time that you that you took. And and that has stayed with so many of them. And I'm, I'm shocked. I did the same thing to the RZA. And the next time I saw him, he never takes his glasses off. Mm-hmm. So the second time I saw him, um, he remembered I gave him the print. He was like, that that print is hanging in my daughter's room. Wow. You know, and that was like to me. I mean, first of all, I told you how I felt about hip hop and the RZA. And it's like legend, you know, like, okay, And see, he said, you know what? For you, I'll take my glasses off. So I have images of him. It's but this is what I'm saying. Like it it pays to actually be genuine and connected to your subject all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the same with Chris and I had worked with Yvonne Orji um, from Insecure and she happened to be uh, opening for Chris for his last big show he had and it was at the Barclays Center here in, in Brooklyn and I was working with her so she said hey uh, I'm, I'm opening for Chris do you mind taking some photos for me I was like sure so I know that I'm gonna go you know to the show so I go get a print of the image from High 97 and um she takes me to his dressing room after the show and I, I get to give it to him. And, and he's just like, oh, this is, he said, this is, this is great. Thank you so much. He's like, you know, you might, you might, this might be your thing. You might be good at this. So, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, and uh, I always carry a second one um, and I'll ask them to sign it for my own, like personal. Uh, so in my office, I have like Chris Rock and Tracy Morgan, a couple of people who have, you know, like who I've given those gifts to. And uh, so when Hollywood Reporter reached out to me, they, they actually said to me that the reason they reached out to me is because they said not every photographer gels well with Chris. And um, not that he's difficult, just um, I think it's because he's a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, that energy can be intimidating. 
So sometimes it can throw them off. And they were like, how did you work with Chris? I said, I mean, great. So all right, cool. So they, you know, it's the pandemic. So everything's different. You know, they're like, you can't have a whole crew. You can have one assistant. And um, I've kind of built a reputation of uh, this MacGyver type of thing, which is what High 97 develops for me, um, making things happen in very short times. Um, and so the photo editors have learned that I'm, I can, I don't panic in those scenarios. So they're like, look, we have four hours. You have one hour to set up and you're going to have three hours with him. And I'm like, I had five minutes with people at Hot Night 7. Wow, I, you got, you got three hours with yeah, this? Yeah, I'm like, I, three, I'm, I think I'll be all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, we, I get there and the photo editor, you know, I, I set up everything and, um, Funny enough, that backdrop was a gift to me from one of my mentors, and it is a Oliphant backdrop. Wow, that is a gift right there. And that is actually the the Oliphant backdrop that Annie Leibovitz used to shoot Michelle Obama. Jeez. Um, so that was gifted to me literally like two weeks before this. So I was like, I'm shooting Chris Rock on the Oliphant. Like, that's just, that's happening. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so we, we got there. And then when he came out and we started shaking hands and I was like, you know, I said, oh, we met before Hot 97. I said, I, I gave you the, the portrait um, at, at, uh, at the show. He's like, oh, I remember you. And then it just, like, I mean, game on. completely broke the ice. We started talking about hip hop. I think we would talk about Watch the Throne and we were talking about how he was playing hip hop. It just, it. It, the energy was genuine. He was having a great time um, to the point that when we ended, he's like, oh, we're done. And, and it's just like, you could see that he was vulnerable in it because you see like, he's, he's like taking his shirt off, showing it, like the photo editor got it back and like, they were like, you, you got him. Like he yeah. opened up to you, so. No, that was, that's incredible, man. Yeah, it was a great cover. It was just very, I love the shoes. Like the shoes, it was, <laughs> it just like, it was so good. Like it just, just made it, it gave it a little more flavor, you know? He was not trying to change his shoes. The stylist was like, okay, I have these. He's like, no, I'm wearing these. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, hey, it's Chris Rock. He does what he wants, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And uh, another thing uh, I was interested in talking to you about, it looks like, um, look on your Instagram, you, you've done a lot of work with like Colin Kaepernick and um, his, I believe it's like a nonprofit called Know Your Rights Camp. I was curious as kind of what that's all about and how you kind of uh, became involved with working with him. Um, so uh, High 97 is the connection to that because I was at the station and um, at a certain point, um, Nessa came to the station and I was the in-house photographer at that time. And um, we just built up a rapport and we got very close and that, you know, literally became like a sister to me. And that was before her and Colin started dating. So when, when he came around, it was, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a football, you know, fanatic. So I didn't really care what his stats were. I was yeah. like, what kind of guy are you? Because, you know, you're not just going to come around here. Like we got to, we got to vet you out. <laughs> and the first conversation was amazing. We spoke for like three hours. I was like, this guy's incredible. And this is before the knee. This was before all of that. And so that was just a regular relationship, you know, just a very close relationship, um, very brotherly relationship. And so when everything happened with the knee, um, I watched what that did. And um, 
it was just it was it was difficult to watch it because he was he's probably one of the most incredible human beings that I know um, and was giving a, given a, a completely uh, bad rap for a situation that was was all political, you know, from the end of the, the NFL and all that. And yeah, he 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 got he got steamrailed with that. So um, he had this the, the nonprofit that he 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 was putting together where he wanted to give back to communities the uh, the same reason that he took the knee. That's that's really what the camp was about is to give back to children in these neighborhoods and um, give them the seeds to spark the next chapter of them, uh, their development. So we, we teach about um, food education, finances, um, just, just different things to develop their, uh, just their potential. So, you know, there's books that are given out at the camp. Um, you know, the other thing that he, that he did that for the first camp blew my mind was that he gifted all of them with the ancestry uh, DNA. Wow test so it was free to all the kids and it was like he said I want you to learn where you come from you can't go forward unless you know where you come from and just he's just just he gives from a, a space that not many people I know give from genuinely give the shirt off his back um if 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 need be so um it was a no-brainer for me to be part of of that initiative and um we have this network of amazing volunteers that are family, that we're, we're family just across the board. And um, yeah, we, we, we put these different camps on and, and it's just such a rewarding experience to see the looks on these, these children's faces. And, um, you know, he's, I mean, he's funding it out of his own pocket. It's not even, you know, it, it's, it's just such a rewarding gift to be part of it and I, I didn't I didn't know that I needed it in my life until being a part of it and I'm just happy that it's you know gaining um, light now I mean unfortunately with last year and the situation with George Floyd I think it shifted the narrative quite a bit to the point where you see the NFL admitting that they were wrong and um, a lot of people really got interested into in the camp and wanting to help uh, the organization and, and, and moving forward. And um, I'm just, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause being able to use your photography and your skill set to shed a light and give opportunity to these kids that are in the camp that's like a powerful mm -hmm. thing because like we can all get bogged down with the day-to-day -day of like you're trying to shoot the the next campaign or the next assignment but yeah like you you use your your photography and skill set in a powerful way to not just you know get work but like help other people and that's like it's something i think i gotta remind myself it's like i have this skill set how can i use it to help other people because there's probably a, a, a lot of stuff people you can use your skill set for a positive thing i guess yeah, I mean, if you if you I think your your ability to compose a shot and your skill set in, in building storytelling in an image, um, it can't possibly be utilized just in monetary senses. Like there's there's things you see on your regular day to day that you're like, if I capture this thing that's happening and I were to put this out so that people could really see it the way I see it it could change the scenario. 
And I think that that's a responsibility that um, I, I take seriously. Um, and I try to find as many ways possible that I can do it um, and, and be helpful. Um, I think that's just, that's to give back to whatever other gains have come from photography is that I'm not just keeping it in the vein of I'm shooting a campaign or shooting a cover. Uh, I don't want to get lost in the highlights, mm -hmm. you know, and the notches on, on, on a, on a portfolio, a resume. I, I really want uh, for things to move people for things to be documented so that people can continue to remember what the lesson was in this time and while I'm here. Um, so it's, it's, it's less about me being attached to images, but if I have the skill set, I know I need to capture the image so that they exist because those are the things that are going to exist time and time again. So um, definitely. Yeah. And uh, one portrait, um, really powerful portrait I saw on your Instagram, um, you photographed the parents of Trayvon Martin, um, very powerful portrait. Um, I was just kind of curious what that was for and how you kind of approached that shoot. Um, just obviously an, an incredible loss for them as parents that lose a child in such a terrible way. Um, how, how do you kind of approach a shoot like that? Um, yeah, I... Uh, there's, I mean, needless to say, all of the events that have that have been coming to light have touched home in a, in a in a in a personal way for me. You know, I I grew up in the Bronx, and the environments we grew up in um, they're not as forgiving for certain people. Um, and whether you're fortunate, as I feel that I am, to navigate your way through it. For every one of the me that are in the world that have managed to find their success, I can name you at least 10 people who I grew up with who didn't make it. And for whatever those reasons are, you know, um, and I never forget that because whether I was in the proximity of them when things happened to them or I knew about it, they, they're traumatic instances and they stay with me because there's also like survivor's remorse. Um, there, are, there are times when I'm, the accolades are there and I'm looking at what I'm doing and it's, it's hard as a, as a child to see that going on around you and then try to connect that with why you were able to make it out. Because just even as a regular adult, without even any of those traumas, we're always trying to figure out what our purpose is in life. So like on top of it is that you make it out of this scenario. So a lot of the instances hit home to me because um, the odds are stacked against them. Um, so to see a parent lose their child, the idea of a parent having to bury their child, um, and then the idea that it's the police that are doing it and knowing that I've come from the neighborhoods and, and we've been through those things. I've, I've, seen, I've seen aggressive behavior from the police. I've, I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. So um, it's heart-wrenching because I always would think about my mom when I left my house. 
I wouldn't want my mom to get a phone call that either I was arrested or I wasn't coming home. And it's, it sounds like you have control over those things, but you don't in these neighborhoods. And um, so it's very personal to me. So a few years ago, we had an event and I had, and I had the opportunity to shoot um, Eric Garner's mom, um, Oscar Grant's mom, and Sean Bell's widowed uh, wife. Um, and that was heavy. And one morning I saw the schedule and it said Trayvon's parents. And I was like, I have to be here for this. And I, I set it up and I, I'd, I'd be kidding if, if I didn't tell you I didn't have a lump in my throat. And I just, I, what do you say? You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, this was different because I couldn't really put it together in my head, like what I was going to say. I just have to just come up with the words when I saw them. And then you see them and, and, and his mom's eyes just pierce your soul. And it's like, I, I said, you know, I, it's an honor to meet you. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry for everything you've been through. Um, and I, found myself getting emotional like because I it, it's it's still there you know they're they're warriors as far as I'm concerned to have made it through that and to still be going on for the for the the name and the spirit of their son I I take my hat off to them um so my uh, my only thing was to make sure that it was an honest portrait you know obviously they're still connected to the tragedy, but they're not together. You know, the, his parents aren't together. So um, I, I, I went back to a bit of Albert Watson and Irving Penn's, well, Albert Watson, I'll say like Irving Penn's, kind of like, I just want this image to stand in black and white. I want it to really make you stop kind of what I mentioned before. I want, if this is, if this is a portrait in, in an exhibit, I want you to stop and really take in the energy that I'm feeling in their presence. And I had a sincere moment with them at first before even picking my camera up. I said, you know, we're gonna take this portrait, you know, please let me know, you know, if, if you feel funny about anything and, and just, just try to be as accommodating as possible. And they were, they were so sweet and um, yeah, I, I just, I, I was as gentle as I could be in, in capturing it and respectful. And um, it was a moment, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to take those, those portraits. And um, yeah, I think that's part of what I, I mentioned about the responsibility in, in capturing very genuine, true images. And um, hopefully that's what it will be when I'm not here any longer is that it will still stand um, with that presence. Definitely, man. I, it was powerful and important imagery, um, tough imagery to take, obviously, and terrible day to live through something like that. But hopefully someone can learn something from that and things can get better you would hope but powerful imagery important imagery and I, I really appreciate and respect it man um and I guess 
uh, to wrap up, like what's next for you, Carl? Like what, what's kind of got you inspired and what are you kind of hoping to work on in the future? Um, I think aside from what I mentioned in, in having the space and, and really like, I think having the full, like the first time of actually having the room of being an artist. I don't think I felt like an artist till I had like a space where I could leave my stuff, come to it. <laughs> it's like, um, I think what, what I'm actually looking forward to is um, I'm curious about the prospect of taking on mentees and I have people who I give advice to and you know I've I've read contracts for people because I just like listen these guys are sharks out here you got to keep your copyright and if I don't pass that knowledge on they'll be taken advantage of and then the clients will feel that this what they can do to every photographer so it's also like part of our environment like it's it's our responsibility to share it so I think what I'm interested in now is is I picked up the camera. I was 30 when I picked up the camera. You know, I'm 41 now. So for this much to have happened with photography, I, I, I always look back and say, man, if I pick this thing up at 15, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I can't even imagine where I'd be. So I think now I'm, I'm very excited with the prospect of taking on a, a young talent and just pouring what I know into them so they have that that head start and just seeing where that goes like if if I had all of these resources at an early age and just nothing but youth ahead of me like what what would happen so um I'm excited about that because I I you know um one of my mentors Clay Patrick McBride who is like yeah great guy he's he's and it's such a random way. He reached out to me on IG in the DM because he saw a photo and I might jaw drop. Because I'm like, <laughs> he was like, great stuff, man. You got bricks. I'm like, what are you, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, he loves that bricks. <laughs> I love that. He, he gives his, his students at RIT the, I think gold it's like brick. The, yeah, the gold, gold brick, brick yeah. dude. <laughs> I, but I was like, I had no connection to this guy and he just hit me up in DM and then we connected and then like, you know, the first thing he said when we, I mean, I offered to buy him coffee and we sat down. The first thing he said to me is like, man, you have such great work. He's like, what can I do? Like, what do you need? And I never had anybody be that open. I had never had any real interaction. He's like, do you need like attorneys? Do you need like to talk to photo editors? And, you know, maybe it's because he is a teacher, maybe because he has been a professor at SVA and in RIT. And just to see that he's so passionate about passing it on. Mm -hmm. I think um, that's the reward. That's the rewarding part of it for me. I think that's what I'm looking forward to is really nurturing the next while still doing what I need to do for myself and developing it. But I think it's going to be amazing for me to like gift the camera to a, a young photographer, give them all the resources and then like in five years, they're like, hey, I just shot a cover of so-and-so. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like that's that that to me is um, I think I'm looking forward to that moment because then it's like it lives on past me. So everything that I've gained is is multiplied by how many people I pass it on to. So I think um, it's smart because helping everyone else is just it just helps the whole industry, because if people just don't 
know that certain opportunities are available or don't know that, you know, if they get a contract, they can actually negotiate with people. Cause I know I made that mistake early on. I, when I started, I was like, Oh, they gave me a contract. I just have to sign it, but not realizing like, Oh no, you, you, you have power and they're coming to you for a reason. And if you just share that education, it just helps the whole industry as a whole. So people aren't like, hopefully aren't undercutting each other and this giving away their artwork for, for nothing, you know? So I think it is, it's great to give back and just educate people on what's possible. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I think that's really the ecosystem of what you're saying with, with, with the craft. It's like, we're, we're pouring back in, I'm pouring back into it because I, I want to make sure that that's maintained. Like you mentioned before, a lot of photographers are very secretive about, their technique and the the magic tricks and all of that and I think the music thing it it taught me that there's room for everybody I mean like you know there may be techniques to how certain artists do things but for the most part nothing's really a secret you know you either have a certain voice or you have an ability to rhyme or you like like that's 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 still innate that's your own gift so I'd, I've never felt threatened by sharing it because I think you know in a serendipitous way I'm supposed to share it yeah and what you do with it is on you but yeah. no but but that's how you you replenish the ecosystem that's why I've been you know gifted with mentors who have given me things because I give back so that's really how you know I'm very big on karma that's how the energy flows I've and free in giving what I have and more comes my way. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really the way that uh, I'm, I'm choosing to continue going and I'm, I'm excited about what comes next. Well, Carl, man, I appreciate it and respect it. And <laughs> I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. And for anybody listening, if they wanted to check out more of your work, um, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, the uh, best place, the website, it's uh Carl Ferguson Jr. That's K-A-R-L-F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N-J-R.com. And uh, yeah, I have my connections on there. All my social media handles are at Carl Ferguson Jr. Um, reach out, you know, say hi. You know, um, you know I don't bite. So <laughs> right now, well, thank you, Carl. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me, man. So there you have it. That was the Carl Ferguson Jr. interview. I just want to thank Carl so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about his journey with photography. Um, really enjoy his portraiture and his approach to portraiture photography. Um, really great stuff. Um, definitely go check out more of Carl's work at his website at carlfergusonjr.com. As well as definitely go give him a follow on Instagram at carlfergusonjr. He's always posting up new photos and uh, different projects he's working on. So definitely go give him a follow. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, So thanks so much for listening and take care.